0: That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
1: Hi, Sarah Imberman. Hi, how are you? I'm just so happy you're here. I am
0: too. I was watching your episode with Leah... And she was saying that um, you met at the Mother Untitled, and I—that's where we met too.
1: You guys, um, mm-hmm. and now we know where I get all my talent.
0: I also discovered that Neha is married to my best friend's
1: friend from college, Dan. I—I I, and I actually know someone that he dated. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yes, Neha, <laughs> we're never, not talking, <laughs> never not talking about you. She's the best. Yeah, the she's best. the absolute best. Hi, everybody. It's Daniela Rabani. Your host for the Mom Curious podcast. I'm just so very grateful that you're here and that you're tuning in. I'm here with Sari Imberman, and we were just talking about the <laughs> theor- theoretical <laughs> conversation <laughs> of feeding your picky eating eating child, and and maybe you're maybe not projecting your own food stories onto them, and that experience (laughs) totally (laughs) theoretical has nothing to do with me and my life not not at all this is not autobiographical i'm just playing devil's advocate here every question i'm about to ask has nothing to do with me and my children roger that and today's opposite day welcome (laughs) thank you so much i'm so glad to be here um i i often ask people what um who they are today because I know that you're – a nu- is it a nutritionist, a pediatric nutritionist? I'm a dietitian. dietitian. What's
0: the difference? What is the difference? I'm so Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so there is no um, credentialing requirement to call yourself a nutritionist. Anybody. Joe Schmo and I'm Mom's a nutritionist. Basement. Yeah, anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. They don't have to have any training. They don't have to have any licensing, nothing. A dietitian has to complete a dietetic internship. You have to complete a post-bac of, of um, science courses, so, you know, like, orgo – Um, biochem food science all these things and then um, soon I think next year they're requiring a master's as well but now it's not required but I I did the master's but that's not required yet and then you have to complete a dietetic internship where you're placed um, in a clinical setting a community food setting a food service setting and one more that I'm missing right now and um, you and then you have to sit for your RD exam for your registered dietitian exam and then you are licensed to practice dietetics you can be hired in a hospital you can be hired in any kind of healthcare setting um, and there's a standard that is you know maintained set, yeah. that is set, oh, set and, maintained. and maintained you have to so we have to do cpe we have to do continuing professional ed i'm going to the food nutrition conference and expo in denver next weekend um, and there's a lot of you know there's going to be a, a number of rds presenting on different peds things there are, um practice groups that you, you know there's a lot of um it is a a, a healthcare, it is a healthcare profession. You know, it is. Um, and I'm, this is not necessarily knocking nutritionists. It's just. It's not what you are. It's just not what I am. But I mean, well now, although they're trying to like reclaim, it's the credential that they've changed. It's now, it used to be RD, registered dietitian. They're now using RDN, registered dietitian nutritionist, because they are, they're like, no, no, <laughs> no. But honestly, you just have to do your research if you're not working with an RD. If you're work, if you find you're, that you're, you know, Looking to hire somebody who calls themselves a nutritionist, just like look into what their credentials are, what's their background, where did they study? You know, do you do you have, do you, what do you know about them? Because you don't have that minimum standard of of sort of expectation that's set. Um, but with an RD, you do, or you mm. should. You know. And I guess for pediatric, for peds, yeah. I mean, that's I think it's really important. important. I think it's really yeah. important. I think that um, and. Because we're not like experimenting with superfoods you know, here. Yeah, I think that I just got I just somebody reached out to me um, about adaptogens for kids, and I was like, honestly, that I there's I don't the science isn't there. I don't have the science, and I'm not gonna like experiment on my kids or other kids. You know what I mean? It might be totally safe, but for me, I'm looking at studies. You know, I want to look at things that I can see. Somebody else asked me about um, garlic honey as a way of um, which sounds delicious, frankly, but mm. <laughs> I'm a hot honey. Like I'm a, like, I like a chili Ooh, oil honey. I'm, I'm I'm a, honey. I'm a hot honey. <laughs> um No, but uh for, as like a, a illness remedy, you know, a sure. mood boosting kind of a thing. I've not heard of it. I wrote back to them and I said, the science isn't there, but it doesn't seem like it'll hurt to offer, you know, as long as your kid's over one, you can't do honey under one. But as long as your kid's over one, you can offer them a tablespoon of garlic honey if it, makes you feel better but the science isn't there necessarily that you know and again i would feel comfortable saying that's a safe thing to try i would not feel comfortable necessarily being like go do adaptogen go give your kids like mushrooms you know oh yeah and, I, I
1: actually know someone i interviewed them yesterday who gives her kids lion's mane yeah so that morning that's and i don't think there's any possible there's any real danger. danger
0: i don't think there's any real concern or danger yeah i just think that you know the science isn't there so it wouldn't be something that i would necessarily it's not worth lean it for into. you to that being said suggest it to someone else's kid that being said correct that being said i worked when i was in when i was getting my masters i had my ped's professor um i shadowed her for a while and she pulled me in on a case um of a kid with epilepsy who was having like major grand mal seizures all the time and we implemented a ketogenic diet like a true ketogenic diet not the keto diet that you know lots of people sort of talk about we were weighing out he was allowed to have like one slice of turkey two or three slices of cucumbers and then like we would weigh out like mayonnaise like a huge I mean plop of mayonnaise and how would you get him to eat it that's what I'm always so curious about it was really hard he was old enough that we were able to Talk to like, him about talk it? to him about it. And honestly, he went from having multiple grand mal seizures a week to having almost none. It, like, And the thing is, the science fat is, there. is really good yeah. for your
1: brain. But they don't know true?
0: exactly why. The thought is that it's at least as far as I don't want to say something incorrect. But as far as I know, there's no definitive like this is why high fat will do that. The thought is that perhaps that the myelin sheaths that coat your neurons um, are made from lipoprotein, which is fat. So that's part of the thought that maybe it's it's contributing it to you know a smoother neuronal pathway in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it's remarkable. So again, it's one of these things where you can't you know you can't only lean on science you have to trust your gut i mean the science is there for that but there we don't exactly know why
1: well you, you're trusting your gut because this was even if the science isn't there for the fat around yeah. seizures i mean you needed to try, you need to try something you need to help this yeah, kid you need so to try something so that's really what it you know it comes from from
0: that so it's really it's really interesting and working with um i've worked with lots of um families with kids on the autism spectrum yeah and um you know, dealing with the different, each idiosyncrasy, you know, each quirk, each kid is gonna be a little different. And um, for some kids, you know, the goal was, like pouches in general are not my favorite, not because the quality of what's in them is usually pretty good. But I have yet to be able to go to a restaurant and order the kale Caesar salad in a pouch. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really teach kids
1: anything about how chewing. we eat. I mean, my daughter actually, because she has such huge adenoids mm-hmm. and tonsils, like her, the chewing is awesome. so hard so for hard. her. So Two hard. years ago, so she got her adenoids shaved and, and she's on the wait list for this month for to get her tonsils, tonsils and yeah. like... I can't wait. Like yeah. chewing. Her jaw is not strong enough to like mm-hmm. really go to for really a carrot. So in that situation, <laughs> that's a perfect example
0: of when you lean on things like pouches or like a Ice cream. How about ice cream? ice cream? Every
1: single day. <laughs>
0: Listen, ice cream. This is hypothetical.
1: Hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> totally hypothetical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but it's, there are certain situations I was working. It's funny because I just, um, I just ran into this family who it turns out they were a uh, former client and then uh, they belong to our synagogue and I ran into them at uh services the other at, I guess Friday night services the other the family Shabbat and um we were chatting and I was asking and she, he was one of her kids was really leaned very heavily on pouches and our goal was to get him down from I don't know I can't remember but like 10 plus pouches a day Yay. to and we got him down to like four or five you know which is a huge win but you supplemented in the a kid this, the calories. You didn't just Absolutely. take them away. So the but other a huge problem win. is that... Um, the other struggle, I should say, is something like a pouch or a milk or anything like that. It becomes a crutch. Honestly, as much for parents as it is for kids.
1: Because you have one job as Ice a cream. My Ice cream. Part of the reason why I, I feed my daughter ice cream <laughs> every day is because I'm like, if she doesn't have this ice cream, she's going to die. Like she... I really... Now I don't really feel that way because I'm like actually she's like not that's like she's, she's growing, growing she's fine but like it was so hard for her to eat yeah for so yeah. long that I was just like if she doesn't have these calories I'm afraid for yeah. her
0: and that's I that's I have so many And the
1: fear like really created a, a, a serious habit mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for, so that's for exactly me exactly what
0: happens that's exactly what happens it's you literally have one job it's to keep your kid alive that's really hard to do if they're not eating and so you give them things that you know they'll eat you give them things that are high calorie high fat like ice cream you give them things and ice cream is easy to like you get you know it's it, you, you and lean like she on has those, those huge
1: tonsils like yeah, her, it's hard it's for it, her to swallow yeah. like it was just like so many things I have a lot of compassion for myself around it. As you should. (laughs) And her. And I would like to grow out of it. Yes. And that's the thing. Yeah. You do what you have to do in the moment. I
0: was uh, working with a family who, um, because they really leaned just – their daughter's on the autism spectrum and they leaned really heavily on waffles. They leaned just like really, really heavily on waffles and lost a lot of the fruits and veggies and things that, you know – had they had been sort of trying to incorporate in different ways. And she wound up with a couple of, like, micronutrient deficiencies. Oh, like, legit, no. And it became... How do you even find that out? Uh, hospitalizations and... Oh, thank God. Okay, bad. great. No, no, yeah. Everything's was, going fine. It was... No. Oh, no, no, no. You wouldn't know. No. You would know. No. But also, that's the thing, though. It's not, But you
1: see that I'm really concerned you, about this. Because are. I'm like... But, yeah. I, but I'm trying. Anyway, but I, I'm trying. And, and, I, and I do have my mom who's, like, a yeah. real food shover. So... Well, that's –
0: and that's tricky too. That's a tricky – I do – I work with – I end up working with lots of like caregivers, grandparents. I do sessions with them over the course of working with a family because you need to really address everybody who's involved in feeding because, again, it's about um, not just – when you have a kid, especially when you have a growth concern, but when you have a kid that you're just even a little bit worried about for whatever reason, maybe there's a swallowing issue, maybe there's – for whatever reason, you're you're extra concerned – you do what you have to do to bridge that gap in the moment. And then it becomes a habit. You lean on it and it becomes the kind of thing that is really tricky to break. And it it's hard to zoom out. Like, is it gonna damage anybody if she eats ice cream every day? Absolutely not.
1: Oh, good. Like, absolutely not. Except for my bank account, by well, the way. Perfect. Like, <laughs> I like if I pass by that. Smoothie guy, what's not, oh not smoothie? Mister Mister Softy, Mister Softy truck. Oh yeah, uh huh. It's like, I'm and they six dollars so in the now. hole for one kid. Yeah, they're so expensive now.
0: Um, it's not going to kill anybody if she has ice cream every day. What you want? What it? What it can take
1: away from when you're focused so zoomed in on something like that? I did get an ice cream maker, and I'm trying to make Ooh, it better. Look at you. So I'm trying to say yes, but put. Things, in different it.
0: things in it, and that's a great way to involve her and get her to try new flavors and use that ice cream as a vehicle for something new, a new flavor. And you know that's the idea. It's not about it. It is about zooming in on a specific thing that you're trying to put fix solve in the moment. This idea of like she struggles to swallow. They're not, you know, the growth is a concern. All these things that you need to solve in the moment, and then you really need to zoom out and be like, what kind of a relationship with food? do I want to create for my kid? Cause it's like and, a
1: necessary relationship yeah. that's well, every it's day. And I I come from like a compulsive overeating background. Like I, I was in overeaters anonymous. Yeah. I did the whole 12 steps. Wow. Like it was like a real situation, chronic dieting, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I do not want that for her. Yeah. It's part of the reason why I say yes to ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm like, well, if ice cream is an bad if it's not a bad food then at least i've won that battle just yeah it can't it, 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 it can't be every day it can't, anyway well it can't be all hypothetical everything
0: all <laughs> fully hypothetical but it can't be sweets can't be you know we really want to try to take them off the pedestal as much as possible and make them a little more just like part of what happens which is why i like that you're doing it you know frequently that there isn't sort of a you know Okay, well, just you know, as a special treat, we'll do it, or know. you know, just this one, so you know, whatever. Because we're we're all you know very guilty of doing that kind of a thing around sweets and, and things like that. And it's the idea of not equating eating with treating yourself. Do you know what I mean? This idea. of I want like, you to go, get into that further. How bit. do you? There are so many ways to treat yourself whether it's as an adult taking yourself out just for a manicure or taking a book and I took myself for a walk yesterday in the afternoon. I really needed Such it a after treat. like 5 days of rain or whatever it was. It was just I needed to walk and I took myself out for a walk. I didn't really want to do it, but I knew that I would feel better afterwards and it was a treat I but I had to it was, it was something that I chose to do and I, you know, I did it. And it's that sort of a thing and when you think about treating yourself as eating we connect food and feeling as, you know, even more than they already are. Food and emotion are inextricably linked. You know, the way that we live, it's, we, we celebrate with food, we mourn with food, we um, eat when we're bored, we eat, you know, there's food all around us all the time, always. And if we can try to separate all of these aspects of it, this aspect of hunger, actual physical hunger in your body, and how do you fill that? What does your body need in order to be its best self, whether you're a kid and you're growing or you're an adult and you're looking to feel your best? And what does your brain and your sort of taste buds, if you will, want? How can you feel satisfied? Really sort of not just full, but also emotionally
1: satisfied because we can't you know, pull those two things apart. I really appreciate that. Even the sensorial experience of like, do I want it crunchy? Mm-hmm. My daughter likes cold. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like exactly. You know, Absolutely. like that. That is also yeah. a component. It's a that, huge component uh, outside so of like, flavor, outside right. of quantity.
0: Yep. It's a huge side of color. Yeah. So you're not going to swap. If we were looking to swap the ice cream, which we don't. I'm not saying we need to, but if, if you were looking to swap the ice cream, you wouldn't be looking at like peanut brittle to swap it for. You that's know, right. she likes oh cold and she likes soft and she likes, you know, that's so maybe sweet. you would sweet. Yeah. So maybe it would even be, and this would not be from a um, nutrient perspective so much as just from a variety perspective. Oh. Maybe it's like a coconut ice cream. Maybe it's, you know, one day you try a, a like a bar. If You always sort of, you typically, she typically gets, you know, the same sort of soft serve chocolate or the same t- brand of whatever. Maybe it's branching out and trying something a little different. Maybe Why? it's your... Because you really want, because you will never like anything if you're not exposed to it. You will never learn to like anything if you're not exposed to it repeatedly. So if... I have parents who come to me all the time and say, I want my kids to eat vegetables. And I'm like, okay, well, what vegetables do you offer? And they're like, well, they don't eat any, so I don't offer any. And I'm like, okay, that's the first place we start. They have to be there. They have to see them. Mm-hmm. They have to know that not ice cream is not always going to be the exact kind of chocolate that she likes. Okay. Or because sometimes – maybe you're going to be I, – I mean, she may not be like this, but there are kids who are really picky eaters and kids who are not that picky who just – you know." who like what they like, and when you're at a restaurant and you're like, okay, they have ice cream, they have chocolate and vanilla, and they say, okay, I want chocolate, and it's not the chocolate that they're used to. It's hard chocolate instead of soft chocolate, or whatever it is, they melt down.
1: They- I, And I know it seems like, oh, this is that's so not a big deal. We're talking about going out to a restaurant, but really what you're saying is like, this is about emotional regulation. It's about emotional this is about, regulation. This is, like, this is about handling disappointment. Absolutely. This is about being flexible. Yep food is a is 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 an experience at least three times a day usually more mm-hmm. for children 6 yeah. 7 yeah. <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. if i'm lucky yeah. you know like so it, it's a learning opportunity yeah right it's it, it's and also for myself like sometimes i get really frustrated and i'm like no i don't yeah. want to yeah. and i don't want to give you the ice cream yeah. Okay, well, that's an opportunity for us both to sit in. Wow, it's been a lot of ice cream for a lot of years, yeah. and yeah, these and, tonsils. I can't wait for them to yeah and move out of the you way. You have a very legit. You know, whenever there is, I have something like a physical obstruction. You do. You
0: literally have something physically blocking you. I had my son had. Huge adenoids and huge tonsils too. And when he got them out, it was a game changer. So I feel your pain for sure. Um, but yeah, it is it is about that idea of like variety of accepting something that Experience. is maybe not the first, not the the best thing, the thing that they want more than anything. And understanding that they don't have to eat it if they don't want to. They don't even have to try it. They don't have to touch it. It's just going to be there. And if they want it, great. If not, there are other things.
1: But touching awkward. it is, it a. from what I understand from – learning from you um and your resources online thank you so much for them um but like touching them smelling them Huge. licking them Huge. spitting them out that yep. all counts. all of that is awesome. even the exposure of it being in the lunch box
0: absolutely so i like itself. to talk about like a placemat sized space effectively in front of your kid and i count an exposure if it's on that in that placemat sized space so with some kids i have started with a bowl of the learning so I do like a love it, like it, learning it. So on the plate, you want to have a love it food, which is something that they'll go for every time. It's pasta. Right. It could be pasta. And it's pasta the way that you always serve pasta. So if they like, if you have a kid that, you know, loves pasta with butter. Yeah. But pasta with red sauce is not something that they accept. Pasta with butter is the, the love it food. The like it food is, I don't know, maybe fruit or something else that they that they like. And the learning it food is that same pasta with red sauce on it. Mm. and that's the learning at food. Maybe you offer the learning at food the red sauce on the side next to the pasta like so they're in the same compartment so they're kind of touching but they're not totally mixed in together. Maybe you offer the red sauce in a cup with a pasta next to it and you offer them the opportunity to dip it if they want. Whatever it is, i that learning at food if on the plate is really too comp- too tricky for them to handle in the moment, we'll do it in- with a bowl. And with some kids, I one kid in particular The bowl would start at the edge of that placemat space and slowly over the course of eight weeks or so we moved that bowl closer and closer until we got the bowl on the plate and then we were able to lose the bowl and the learning of food could live on the plate on a partitioned plate so obviously like there's no fraternizing with the enemy (laughs) and the learning of food could live on the plate and he accepted it and I – he ultimately was trying a few things at the end of it but just getting him from a place of – of – real food neophobia this fear of new food right to
1: and that that's gotta that's gotta be like a portal into whatever else he's afraid of absolutely we want to help him yeah we want to help him um like adjust to life and sometimes while it's, they're still in our care
0: and sometimes it's a feeling of like the parent has pressured at the table and so the reaction is like anything new on the plate they know they're going to be forced to try can
1: we talk about that what what do you mean specifically about the parent has pressured
0: body autonomy is number one that's what we want to be you know encouraging our kids to find this feeling of nobody but your child nobody but you knows what it feels like to be in your body right so if your kid says that they're not hungry believe them if your kid says they're hungry believe them that does not mean that they've eaten what you feel is enough that they've eaten even eaten enough that might mean that they've taken three bites of pasta and not a single vegetable or a piece of protein and they're saying that they're full and they're done. And it's so hard as a parent, but you want to trust them and believe them.
1: It is so hard. It's so it, hard. I've been conditioned out of it by my it's own so family yeah. of origin, by mm-hmm. society at large, with diet culture, mm-hmm. um, and the, and then need to control another person in... Our care is so strong, especially when it comes to what we think is healthy. Yeah, and it's especially
0: hard as a parent of a child because in so many ways you do know better. You, you know, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, as a as somebody who has spent however many years living in this world, you know a little bit better than your brand new baby. You know what they need to survive, right? And it also comes from you know and this is not a, a knock on bottle feeding by any stretch of the imagination, whether it's breast milk formula, any of those things, but with a bottle, you can see how much is in there. And you can see to yourself, oh, they're supposed to have an eight-ounce bottle. So I'm going to keep offering it, even if they don't seem that interested.
1: Well, uh, it's why breastfeeding can be so such a mind fuck for it people is. because we have no idea what they're No eating. idea what they're taking.
0: And it's really hard. But I find that parents who – well, no, I don't know about that. But it's it's a level of trust that you have to just trust that they're taking what they need. And when it's breast milk, it's, you know, what they're getting is good. You don't have to worry about the that they're getting the nutrients that their body needs to grow. Once they start eating food, they choose what they eat and what they don't based on what you put in front of them. So if you know you need protein to survive, you need to eat some vegetables so that you're not you know micronutrient deficient um you're gonna push those things
1: i actually only focus on fruits with her because i just don't want to deal with the vegetable conversation right my son on the other hand is like sauerkraut salad
0: <laughs> has he always been that way
1: i think that partially because of her um adenoids and tonsils it was always very hard for her Mm -hmm. I also think the pandemic and the stress of that and on our family really made it hard to introduce her to foods in a way that was joyful and easeful and when I was introducing foods to my son two and a half years prior um, you know he was like the only baby it was such it It was was so fun fun um it was like baby led weaning and yeah he's he he was always very he he's like this gifted kid who was like was like born an adult like yeah. he just like mm-hmm. knew instinctively like
0: what he yeah you know and that's amazing <laughs> and it's it is a it's a real mind fuck when your second kid is different whether or not it's who they are and or the circumstances of introducing it, foods and all these things i have a client i'm working with right now who struggled with her first and the the we started working together because her older one is a picky eater and we've now sort of shifted and we're working with her for the little one because they, she's introducing solids and he's having you know some sort of allergic it, it's unclear I don't think it's caused by food you know there's a, all these but it's been tricky it's been complicated and she was like I was really hoping that this one was going to be
1: easier and this one's going to be better and it is really hard like I was it's like so hard I was listening to you talking about the love it like it learning, learning it. it foods and i was like this is a lot of work yeah and you know and if i pull back the lens parenting is just a lot of
0: work parenting is a lot of work yeah. and that's the thing and i was on um i'm in a picky eating dietitian practice group and we had a parenting expert speak yesterday and she was saying that there's a huge shame and stigma around parents reaching out for help at being parents you know that that People don't want to sort of admit that they have questions or they feel like they should be able to do it, that it's just something that this should be should come naturally. And I think that um, feeding is so interesting in that way because a lot of people who come to me are either coming because there's a medical concern, you know, there's a growth concern or something like that, or they're coming because things have gotten so stressful at mealtimes. They've just gotten so untenuous where nobody's – Mealtimes are a battlefield. They feel like they're just, they're arming up for battle when they go into mealtime. And they're nervous, they're losing foods off of the list. All these things where it feels very extreme. There are so many parents out there, so many families who have these sort of, I don't want to say smaller, but more sort of woven into the fabric of their own experience with eating and bodies and how they were raised. And all of these things that are tricky and hard to navigate, but they don't necessarily maybe feel like, oh, I should I should reach out and get help with this until they get to a point where they're like, oh, maybe I you know should, there's something that I could have done here to to have a you know a meal time that feels like, oh, I'm not putting like the same three foods on the plate. And the reason that people don't do it is that it's just not bad enough to do the hard work. Yeah, because and parenting I, is so hard.
1: It's so hard and there are other things. What if that same kid has There's sensory so many issues and so has many learning to, whatever, whatever yeah. else. It's expensive. Yes. Like, your time's not free? No, it's you know, expensive.
0: Like- and it's it's a time and money investment. And it really is. It's a time investment because parents need to to it's 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 not hard long term. Oh. We build up a system. No, because it's you build up a system where the learning at food, I literally will I keep raw veggies in my house and that, you know, my daughter loves cucumbers. My son loves tomatoes. So some nights, the learning food for each of them is just she gets a tomato, he gets a cucumber. Neither of them loves those things. They're learning both of those things. I'm calling that a win, right? At least there's something that isn't a favorite, isn't a slam dunk, is something that is going to require a little bit of extra thought on their plate, right? Sometimes it'll be you know, uh, something more involved tonight. We're doing an orzo dish <laughs> and I made it. I know that my son is my picky reader and I know that he likes the orzo plain. So I've saved some plain, a l- just a little bit plain and that'll be his love it. Although we might have a, a dessert with dinner. I don't know what, what I've planned, <laughs> but we, um, I'll have a little bit of it plain I'll have. And then there's, you know, it's got, it's corn and it's a really good New York times recipe. We've, it's like the third time we've made it in, It's a staple now. Um, There's a little bacon in it or pancetta in it. So I'll save a little bit of those components for him because I know he'll like them individually. And then I'll offer the mixed dish. And that will be the learning it food for him. He probably won't eat it mixed is my guess. Um, But that's fine because it's on the plate. He'll smell it. It'll be in that sort of sensory sphere. And it's now – it'll be his third exposure to it as we continue. Everybody else likes it. We have another thing with lamb. Everybody likes this. I do this like za'atar lamb in a – sous vide it's really good and we do like naan and it's delicious and the three of us love it and toby's learning learning it and eventually it took a it took months six months of us making it regularly and then finally he was like mom i want to make it as a pizza and oh I was like, cool tell me more so we took the components we do like a tzatziki and uh you know whatever and we made it into a little pizza and he added some cheese on top and he tried it that way and he actually ate it which he didn't love it. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't like, this is amazing. I've been, I can't believe I've been ignoring this for so long. And He he ate it, but now he tolerates it. Now it, you know, exists in his sphere of food. And it takes not, it's that not pressuring to try it. So I would offer, it would just be there. The lamb would just be there. He loved the naan. He liked the tzatziki. He liked, we do like an Israeli salad with it. He likes all those things. He makes his own dressing for the Israeli salad. Really loves that. Um, Didn't want the lamb. Just kept putting it on the plate and just, you know, stuck it out and so every time I would offer that meal I knew he probably wasn't going to get much protein he'd get a little bit from the tzatziki but he's not going to eat the lamb and I he'd get a little bit of fat from the dressing on the salad because he likes you know we'd sort of I'd make sure it was an oil heavy but it probably wasn't going to be his like highest nutrient intake meal yeah and that's okay for me it's so much more important that meal times aren't a battleground that he doesn't come into meals feeling like oh god like she's gonna make me try something or i'm gonna hate everything on my plate you know it's this sort of feeling of meals we don't i try not to talk about the food as much as possible you know if there's a question or something great but we do we've started doing like gratitude journals so we like talk like you know we talk through like top three things from the day um or anything along those lines i mean truly anything else there was um there were, there were some conversation cards that I've came across at one point for, and I will make them sometimes for clients. I'll literally be like, Who's your favorite Paw Patrol character? Wow. Like, it doesn't have to be highbrow, it's just a way to engage. Cause being sitting down and eating together is an important part. It's a difficult thing to achieve for families a lot of times, especially yeah. when you have parents that are working. But if you can do it, make it count when yeah. you're there. You know, don't make it about the food and what is being eaten. Don't add stress to it where you're like, you know, you have to, come on, like you have to, you have to try the lamb. Like you have to try it. You've eaten all of the other components or this orzo. You've eaten everything else. You love corn. You love it. Why is it not? Why won't you just try that? Yeah. But it's taking out that pressure so that it doesn't become, it doesn't become a negative experience.
1: How did you get into this work? Why is it important to you? Um... I so I I have always been a fat kid
0: my whole life like I'm just like that's you know I no matter sort of what body size I am I that's just it's part of who I am and it's funny because I I was adopted and um I it wasn't until I accidentally like tripped and fell into finding my entire birth family um yeah that's uh, (laughs) it was and I haven't actually met any of them yet I just have like tracked everybody down at this point it's yeah um but I've now seen pictures I have a full biological sister and I've seen pictures of my birth mom and they are big bodied people like that is the body that I I'm meant to have to some extent and yet I spent my whole life being told that something was wrong with my body that I saw a million doctors because if if I was fat there must have been something wrong yeah. and as it turns out I mean I was ultimately I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was a a teenager you know at, at 14 or 15 and um, so there were some things perhaps underneath there but it was this this feeling of sort of you know of never feeling confident as an eater never feeling like I could enjoy um, food and that food didn't. That you were allowed to. Yeah enjoy that I was allowed to enjoy all these things and it's not I'm not knocking my parents. I mean, they are spectacular people who did absolutely that,
1: everything. That was good parenting yeah. then. It was like, good parenting then. That it was. worrying but, was, was, yeah.
0: was and parenting. And they took me to see all of these experts. So I saw a million dietitians in New York City. Some I, I saw a dietitian who's now, because I grew up in the city, and I saw somebody who's now on the Today Show. She's And, she you know, all of these people. And who, she made you, she fat shamed you? Well, again, it's a not, child? you know, yay, I mean, yay. it's just, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't like sh- anybody set out to be like, you should feel terrible about yourself because you're fat. But every dietician I saw, every doctor, it was, okay, how are we gonna get you to lose weight? How are we gonna, you know, wasa crackers and baby bell cheese? Like those were the things that were t- like, I was told to eat like, you know, one wasa cracker. The wasa crackers like a,
1: were a big one in the 90s. Wassa crackers.
0: I just, it was, there were so many. And it's, and it was a lot of low fat, which, you know, now we, we know better about that. Um, but, it was just it was a it was a lot of sign of the times, and it was also I think, you know, being adopted. I think that my parents, my mom in particular, just like this was not something that she had ever dealt with herself.
1: Well, she didn't. You know, it's like we don't know what's going on in someone else's body, and yeah. we particularly don't know what's going on in someone else's body if we don't like share genetics. Yeah, yeah, or at least I think that could be a total farce to begin with. But like the idea that my daughter is um doesn't need as much food. Mm-hmm. I sort of say she's like her grandmother. Yeah. But she didn't have that reference point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and she did absolutely everything to the best of her ability. I saw all of these incredible specialists and um and and really what I needed was somebody to sit down with my whole family and be like, "Let's talk about what's going on here underneath things. Like why are we sneaking food? Why are we, you know, how does it feel when we have limits on things and and you know where can we how can we acknowledge some of how i was feeling some of how my parents were feeling too i'm I, you know i'm sure that there were feelings of really feeling out of control like they just didn't know what to, to do with me to some extent i think um and so i had always sort of you know grown up with that you know forever i was a theater major i studied you know i worked in theater um after i graduated and then Wound up working in a theater PR firm mm. and ended up thinking, okay, well, I'm going to cut my teeth in like real PR, you know, and hated it just so, much, just like so much. Um, it's just not my not my personality type, um, and uh, had like a, a crisis, a career crisis to some extent. Went and saw a career counselor, who we did a bunch of personality tests and all these kinds of different things, and he said to me, and it, yeah, you know, I don't. He he was about. 95 years old at that <laughs> point and that was a long time ago at this point. and I remember walking in there being like what are you gonna tell me about like what I should be doing with my like you know you what do you know I mean you know this sort of arrogance of and he looked at me at the end of it and he said you want to be in a helping profession you want to be doing something where you feel like you are helping other people directly like not not you know I mean I'm sure you you could argue that like publicists are helping people and you know but but it's this idea of like I wanted to be helping people directly and I wanted to be doing something that I felt had a lot of different avenues of opportunity things that I could you know different ways to work in things so he was like you know something like a therapist like a, you know, whatever so I said okay great I, I hear you but now what so I had gained a ton of weight because I was so miserable in my PR job so I started mm. working with a nutrition a dietitian and In our first session, she sat down and she starts telling me sort of basics, and I was like, "Yeah, nope, yeah, I know all this. Like, I did fat camp as a kid. I did. Oh wow. Oh, well, we called it. I I went to a um, um, like a medical weight loss thing at Duke. Fat camp. Yeah. Well, it's called Duke Diet and Fitness Center, but we used to call it's DFC, so we called it Duke Fat Camp. But it's like (laughs) it's actually for adults, and they had just they were pioneering like a thing for teens. So I went like right after I graduated from high school. But anyway, so I have I've and so I said to her, I was sort of like, yeah, you know, I, I know all of this. And she was like, you know a lot about this. Would you ever – she knew of my sort of, you know, career shift moment. She was like, would you ever consider going into working in this? And my very first response, and I remember exactly where we were sitting, my very first response was nobody wants a fat dietitian. Wow. And the thing is, I think that that – I believed that in the moment. And wow. I think that a lot of people still – feel that way I think that there is this sort of like if you can't get your own shit together like to look your best or be whatever look skinny then why should I be taking advice from you and it was a lot of you know I sort of she immediately of course uh, you know she was like that's not true da, da. and the more research I did there really is sort of a gap in the field in general yeah of in all dietitians fields. in all fields fat phobia exists everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. And there's a real – so there is that real gap in the world of dietetics. So I started – I decided to um, go to M- – I started NYU, got my master's. And as I was in it, I got married and I got pregnant. And I started thinking to myself, you know, I I really want to be the dietitian that I didn't have mm. as a kid. Be the person who can hopefully – come at this from a slightly more compassionate, empathetic perspective Mm. toward the family and finding something that works for the whole family. Because it is about boundary and limit setting, it is. like There's always going to have to be boundaries in parenting. And it's about acknowledging kids' feelings that they know better than anybody else what their body is feeling. And our job is to trust that and hold the boundary that dinner is served when dinner is served if you choose to eat at dinner time great if not that's totally fine we'll serve breakfast the next morning not so a hard. bedtime snack which is where it gets tricky yeah it gets so it's that it's that holding that boundary in a way that is understanding and empathetic and also like parental parental yeah adult and it's hard and that's it's so much you know again people come to me thinking i'm going to tell them like Okay, give your kid five ounces of steak and, you know, X, Y, and Z. The weighing and, and the measuring. Up, yeah, it ends up being – they think about – and again, I get it. I, my degree is in nutrition science. That's what makes sense. But it's so much more – it's so much squishier than that. It's – because it's not just about – and people will ask me all the time. They're like, you know, what will my kid be eating at the end of eight weeks working with you? And my answer is I have no idea. I can, however, tell you. That or they'll say to me, "Can you tell me that my kid will be eating a new vegetable by the end of eight weeks?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. I cannot tell you that. However, I can tell you that if you know when we've come up with a plan that works for you, if you stick to that plan, you will be offering that new vegetable five times more than you used to. You will approach meals with a calmer, um, more enjoyable attitude. I literally will say to people, especially if we're if they're gearing up for you know they're going to offer something out of the box or whatever, I'll be like, "Whatever you have to do." have a glass of wine smoke a joint take a Xanax whatever your thing is whatever meditate take a breath have a mantra that you can step if you feel like you're gonna lose it step away from the table like when right. you feel yourself starting to wanna bribe wanna be like you know I we made this just for you like can't you just try one bite wow. like just one bite step cause that's away. like
1: bullying isn't it it, it is manipulation it becomes, it
0: becomes and we don't mean it as parents no we're doing what we
1: feel is best yeah but just like your parents did yeah just like all of our parents just like did. all those dietitians did like but we just know better did. now we know better now yeah. question do you feel like this having been the helper for this long is it 10 years yeah so, yeah just now. do you feel like it's healed some parts of your inner child oh yeah for sure um it uh The shift
0: for me, especially sort of um, in my relationship with my mom in terms of eating and food came when I – kind of when I left for college, but when I really started to own things myself, own what I was feeding myself and eating Mm. because then it became my responsibility, my say, you know. And um, as I've really gone further and further into this work, yeah, it – I have so much more compassion for myself when, um, like I don't like breakfast food, for example. I'm very, I should say I'm very picky. I'm very particular about breakfast food. I like eggs if they're done exactly the way I like them. <laughs> if they are done any other way, I kid. don't want them.
1: You, you throw a fit?
0: I don't, I will not throw a fit, but I won't eat them. <laughs> well, it depends on who I'm with. But I won't, I, I, and I just don't, I don't love pancakes. I don't love bre- waffles. It's just never been my thing. thing. I love leftovers for breakfast. Great. I ate, <clears throat> excuse me, I ate Thai food for breakfast this morning. <laughs> like I, and that's my thing. I, like giving myself permission yeah. to do that because who cares what you eat for breakfast as long as you are eating something relatively nutritious and balanced yeah. and getting some food in your body at a time that that works for you. Some people are not, I used to say I wasn't a breakfast person, like I didn't, I wasn't hungry in the morning. And so I would skip breakfast. Part of that was a diet culture thing, thinking, oh, if I take in fewer calories, like if I skip breakfast, then I don't have a choice. I have to wait till lunch because I'm in school. I have to wait until I get to lunch to eat. So I'll just say that I'm not hungry in the morning, but really I'm actually hungry. I'm just going to push past it. But part of it is also that I didn't like breakfast food. And so if somebody had said, what if it's not – A typical breakfast food. Like, what would you want to eat in the morning? What's something that you'd be interested in eating? I'd be like, all right, now we can talk. Like, Mm. let's have. What if we have a little bit of, you know, leftover chicken and broccoli and rice? Like, I would rather have that than a pancake, personally. But like that, it it took that sort of thinking outside of that box. um, Respecting yourself. Respecting myself, and it's not again, it's not that that my parents or anybody individually wasn't respecting me as a kid. It's just this this changing you know view of parenting and kids and and um trying to make it work for each kid for each family trying to find a solution a system that works it's not a solution find a system a framework that works where you know three days a week two days a week whatever you have what i call sninner where it's like at pickup instead of a snack you bring a meal like a dinner, you know, mm-hmm. and then you offer a snack at dinner time because a lot of times kids are really hungry at the end of the day, at the end of a school day, and they tank up on snacks this and then they're not huge. that hungry for dinner. Yeah, and so offering something like a sninner at pickup <laughs> is a really great way to get good quality sort of nutrients in them in a balanced way when they're hungry. Get them when they're hungry.
1: So it's consensual. However,
0: exactly, it's consensual, and yes however whatever and there is definitely like some you'll get some weird looks you know when you're like at the playground and they have a bento box of like you know chicken and broccoli or whatever and so it's about sort of a balancing out like what are you offering maybe it's not like you know a full turkey roast dinner that they're breaking out at the playground maybe it's something a little more manageable but also really owning that and helping parents and then thereby kids own what works for them
1: right this
0: is what works for me right it started because my kids had swim after school one day and it was swim was in Tribeca and school was in the West Village and we live in it was just like a whole thing so I would drive them so I would pick them up in the car and I would give them dinner in the car on the way to swim and all of a sudden my kid was eating tofu and all these things that he normally wouldn't be interested in it was because he was hungry yeah and it was because he didn't really have another option right. at that point you know and so i that was how this came about and when i sort of you know talked about it and we started doing it maybe the playground he'd be like i don't know people are saying that it's weird and you know and i'd be like okay that's fine it can be weird to them but we talk i mean we love weird like weird weird as a word is what is something we embrace wholeheartedly in our family but even you know i, I was like it's what works for us it will, yeah. it's what works for you and that's that doesn't have anything to do with anybody else
1: that's number one like what works for you yeah i think it's a metaphor for a lot of um i think it's a metaphor for everything everything i really do
0: and it's so hard to embrace that
1: mm, as a kid
0: certainly and then even as an adult
1: well we're we're going against the grain because as we said diet culture even wellness culture at this point but i love your tips thank you I'm wondering where we can get more of them, where we can learn more. Maybe there's someone out there who's looking for a session and some support.
0: So you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Sari Imberman on Instagram and links to everything is there. I'm also um, in the process. I've been talking more and more about this sort of, you know, repairing your own relationship with food Mm -hmm. and – breaking that cycle for your kids. And I've been getting so much uh, interest in DMs and all these things that I'm working on. I think I'm going to put together a group, um, like a, a group of parents who are struggling with that stuff, who want a space to talk about it, who want you know, to have some help implementing some of these tools yeah, um, and doing it in a way that really works for them and their family. So um, that is going to be launching – uh soon and in i'm um, there'll be a couple of rounds of it so depending on when this airs but um i uh i'm gonna keep it small um so there i'll do a, a couple but i'm looking forward to doing that because it'll be my first sort of foray into a group space i've had a membership and i've had all these things but having this i think there's a real value to holding space in a community um of people who are who have questions yes and, you know difficulties and there shouldn't be any shame again about like looking you know needing to reach out for that help wanting not even needing wanting to have that extra sort of boost and support. So um that's in the works, but otherwise you can find me uh on Instagram and on my website and fun my business is fun with food. I don't even say that. Um which is important. That's the point. I want to help people have fun with food. Mm. Oh, Amen.
1: <laughs> food is fun.
0: It should be. <laughs> It you're fun thank,
1: thank you. you so much for coming on <laughs> thank you for having thank me. you for listening friends we'll see you next tuesday on the mom curious podcast i'm daniella Rabani. hit me up on instagram i love getting your dms and staying in touch thank you again thank you Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Rabani. I am your host, and I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast, produced by Hoff studios you can find them at Hoff studios on instagram as well all right have a great day